Uh, to the attendees, thanks for joining us. Uh, this week's Fats, Fuels, and Veg Oil Report, I have Ryan Standard with us. Uh, he's our Senior Analyst for Fats and Oils, and he'll be going over his side of the report today. If you have any questions, go ahead and drop them in the Q&A section. We'll get to it after the end of Ryan's presentation. And with that, Ryan, I'll pass it to you. Thank you, George. Uh, so this week we're talking about distillers' corn oil markets, uh, what they look like uh, moving ahead and some of the things impacting the market over the last couple of weeks. What we've seen is uh, prices move up uh, fairly sharply over the last two weeks. I think what's happened, uh, and this is really over the last couple of months, is that sellers were well covered. Uh, there wasn't a big need to, to, to buy. Uh, there's plenty of soybean oil out there. Some buyers were long on soybean oil. And so it's kind of ironic. You saw price, or, uh, production drop off significantly. Uh, but prices dropped as well. And I think that was just something that was happening in the overall market. Now with production increasing as ethanol demand is, is picked up, more people are driving around, the economy is a little bit looser. Uh, there's more distillers corn oil out there and prices are going up. So it's kind of the, the opposite of, of what supply and demand fundamentals would, would lead one to believe. Um, but I think the reason for that is the demand for soybean oil is up as well. So there's a widespread to soybean oil between DCO and, and soybean oil, and that's driving the higher DCO prices. Additionally, that spot demand as well as that forward demand is, is back very strong in the market. Uh, we're expecting more renewable diesel demand uh, and co-processing demand to come online in the fourth quarter. I know there's a major player that's uh, going to be down late September, early October. So that's going to uh, affect the market, I think, in the, in the nearby. But I think people are already are getting covered out into uh, October and November. Uh, there's, there's talk of a biodiesel plant that uh, has, has shut down, but has been repurposed as kind of a feedstock processing center for co-processing uh, here in the fourth quarter. And so that's expected to drive uh, big DCO demand. And that's part of the reason for our um, higher prices. Um, other factors that, uh, affecting the market in the near term are uh, some potential production interruptions. So there's a big uh, Derrico storm that blew through Iowa, Illinois, southern Minnesota, uh, southern Wisconsin last week and has had a big effect on, on the crops. But there's also uh, issues with power. So that could that uh, is contributing to some near-term production interruptions, not just in the DCO market, but across the uh, low CI spectrum and that, that Midwestern market. Uh, you know, anecdotally, we have friends. We, we lived in Iowa for a couple of years. We have friends that are still there and not without power for for almost a week, um, and that's uh, in the Quad Cities, which isn't you know a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Um, we uh, expect to see. Um, uh, this is touching back on the soybean oil. Uh, currently, the market's I think in the high 70s uh, percent relative to soybean oil that is DCO to soybean oil. Um, Historically, it's been closer to 85%. We expect that uh, level to be achieved again this year. And in fact, with the additional renewable diesel demand, co-processing demand coming online, that relative price to increase uh, in the fourth quarter and hold higher through 2021. In fact, it's, it's gonna continue to be higher because there's more and more renewable diesel demand coming online, uh, you know, linearly through 2025. So there's going to be a lot of demand for low CI product and buyers are going to have to pay a higher price in order to source material. Uh, another factor affecting our, our kind of bullish outlook for DCO in, in the near term and the, the fourth quarter as well is uh, all veg diets. Uh, typically this is a time of year when uh, feeders in the all veg sector for Thanksgiving 
turkeys start to up their fat inclusion. And uh, we don't think that's going to be an exception this year. And so we're, we're expecting more demand in the East Coast to drive that Indiana, Ohio market and the uh, Illinois market higher as well here in the near term as, as that feed demand picks up. Um, yeah, I think with that, that wraps it up. And on the DCO front anyways, I'm happy to take questions on, on tallow, choice wide, anything else anybody else might have out there. Well, I got some questions here for you. And uh, just a reminder to the attendees, go ahead and drop your questions in the Q&A and Ryan will answer them. Um, Ryan, has the tallow market topped out? Yeah, I think BFT has gotten close to a, a, a high. Uh, we've seen some chemical demand slow a little bit. There's still some chemical demand out there. Uh, maybe there's another penny, penny and a half on the render side, half cent on the packer side. But uh, I think at current values, it's, it's starting to get a little bit toppy. With that said, you know, we've seen soybean oil and, and corn prices rally over the past week, you know, part and due in part to the, the crop report, but also concerns over the storm damage. So continue increase in, in bean oil and corn are supportive of higher uh, fat prices overall. Um, tech tallow and edible tallow, uh, given reports of very strong RBD demand in the fourth quarter, back to that renewable diesel uh, production that's expected increase in the fourth quarter, uh, that's supportive of higher technical tallow and uh, um, edible tallow prices as well. Okay. Another question here for you, Ryan. What's driving the recent rally in choice white grease? Um, Widespreads to tallow have helped. Uh, there's been some production interruptions as well. So back again to that storm damage, I think there were some um, short positions developed as a result. So uh, traders, other people who have been short have been willing to pay a higher price to cover in their spot needs. We expect uh, that to continue to, again, that widespread to, to BFT is supportive of higher choice white prices. And additionally, there's just, just seems to be more demand from the bio and renewable sector out there for the near term. And so buyers are paying up in order to source that material. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you for the analysis. Oh, we got one more question that popped up. Um, overall, is there more demand for BFT than prior years? If so, what is the primary sector driving demand for BFT? There is, there has been an increase, and that's a good question. There has been an increase in exports this year. Um, I think something else, and this is, goes back to the Choice White, uh, we've seen some production interruptions. So it, uh, to quickly answer that question, there has been additional export that, uh, demand this year. Uh, it's coming from the renewable diesel sector. Most of it's headed uh, to Singapore. Um, so that's one factor. Uh, same thing with the edible tech market. The production has been a little bit tighter. Uh, again, this is anecdotally. We haven't seen this come out in the numbers yet from the USDA, but they tend to run behind a little bit. Um, and it has to do with uh, staffing uncertainty. So, you know, you're really focused on getting cuts into the box, and there hasn't been as much trim. Uh, at least this is what we're hearing, particularly on the edible side. And so that's led to lower, lower tallow yields. Um, at least on the edible tech, there may be a little bit more on the BFT side. On the choice white side and the large side, um, there was big supplies, and that's another reason for the prices going up. They've tightened up. I think there weren't enough workers at some plants to get fat into boxes, which will get shipped into China. Um, it helps with some of the export, uh, I think, duties. Again, this is anecdotal. But um, that 
situation seems to have been mitigated. And so there's more material, or I'm sorry, less material going to rendering and that's tightened up the nearby supply, both in the Midwest and the Eastern market as well. Okay. Um, a couple more, <laughs> for more questions here, Ryan, they're popping up. Good. Um, what is the U.S., what is the current U.S. refining capacity for renewable biodiesel soy? And will U.S. refining capacity ramp up to meet added renewable diesel demand, or will that demand be met via imports? So I think current renewable diesel uh, capacity that's online right now, off the top of my head, I want to say it's close to 400 million gallons. I mean, there's enough soybean oil to meet that demand, but most of it, the renewable diesel production in the country right now is centered on low CI feedstock. So we don't see a whole lot of soybean oil going into that, that market. I think a lot of that's because the CI score for soybean oil isn't as good as, uh, um, you know, edible technical tallow, I should say technical tallow and some of the low CI feedstock. Can I pause you right there, Brian? Yeah. Uh, CI score, could you explain that a little bit more? Because I know sometimes people ask that question about CI score. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the carbon intensity score through the California Low Carbon Fuel Standard Program, uh, the lower a CI score, the more credit generation capability it has. So something like distiller's corn oil, used cooking oil has, has the best uh, carbon intensity score. So that's why we see a lot of used cooking oil, distiller's corn oil, and uh, animal fats going into renewable diesel production. Some of the Processing facilities aren't, or the, the production facilities aren't capable of handling higher acid or higher metal feedstocks. And so they'll use um, the, the premium tallow, so technical tallow, sometimes blended with BFT, uh, that's pulled on, on those markets. Um, the production that is supposed to come online in Q4 from what we're hearing, it's a RBD soybean oil, distiller's corn oil kind of refined ahead of time type process. So yeah, down the line, I think eventually, if plants want to use low CI feedstocks relative to, to virgin veg oils, there's going to have to be some importation. Um, but as far as the, the veg oils go, you know, that's a, a question we'll have to have probably Tory weigh in on because he's more of the expert there. Okay. Um, with significant renewable diesel expansion over the next three to five years, what sort of pricing pressures do you see across feedstocks? I think there's going to be quite a bit. I mean, uh, price is meant to ration demand, right? So um, price is going to have to come up from the other renewable diesel players to buy their way into the market because there's already a really well-established foothold by some of the producers now. Additionally, they're going to have to pay higher to buy that material away from the oleochemical industry. Um, in addition to some of the other the biodiesel players um, and to incentivize, I think, improved logistics. So, you know, a lot of the stuff gets traded in rail cars right now for like, or not rail cars, I'm sorry, trucks for choice white grease and even yellow grease to some extent. So to develop the networks to, to get that material into rail cars and to, to the plants, it's going to, they're going to, producers going to have to pay a higher price. Um, feed, that's a, a, you know, main buyer of a lot of these animal fats. Um, and producers, I think, tend to use more animal fats into their feed formulations because ultimately, you know, meat packers are in business to produce meat and, and meat needs to be appealing to the consumer. And, you know, there's stories if you use veg oils and bacon, it doesn't hold its the saturated fat. The absence of saturated fat creates kind of a flimsy product. And so, again, consumer demand is what's most important there. They'd have to find a suitable alternative. Long story short, we expect 
a lot of price pressure on the upside here over the next few years. Is and, and don't we address this in the outlook report we just published? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of detail in there on that. And uh, if anyone wants to find that, just go to the homepage of our website. We have our outlook report listed right there. Uh, another question here. Is it fair to say that production of bleachable fancy tallow is lower than prior years? Uh, I would say it's probably on par with last year, uh, maybe slightly weaker in pockets. I mean, obviously you had, uh, had some downturn um, from, from COVID interruptions and in that uh, I think April, May window, uh, maybe even into early June. But uh, I would say the yields are probably close to equal with, with the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, cattle production strong. We're, we're expecting it to slow down over the next six weeks, which will help tighten things up a little bit more too. Okay. And I got another question here, which I think is probably more geared to Tory, but I'll throw it at you. Uh, what other oilseed crops show the best commercial viability in the next two to five years to offset bean oil imports? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's really a Tory question. And I assume this is for renewable fuel production. So, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I would say canola is probably a viable option. Um, and then obviously you have soybean oil. I, I don't know that there would be big soybean oil imports because that would, you would be buying away from some other buyers and it would come from South America. But again, Tori will have to weigh in on that, I think. Uh, that'd be a good question for next week when we bring Tori in to go over the veg oil section. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan. Well, thanks for fielding all those questions. Uh, that's all we have uh, in terms of questions. And um, thank you for all the attendees for jumping in and uh, asking what you need to ask. Ryan, yes. thank you. Yeah, thanks everybody. One.